So how you guys been, anyways? All right. It's been rough. It's been rough, and I know it's been pretty rough for everybody. That's okay. Um, listen, if you guys are just joining with the show for the first time, welcome. This is a podcast we try to do as often as possible, but uh, given the COVID thing and summer vacation and stuff, we haven't been quite as... Uh, as uh, regular as we'd like to be but uh, you know there's a little bit of tesla news and we have lots to talk about today and um, we also have a lot of viewer and listener questions which we'll get to in the second half of the show by the way if you're listening to the podcast thank you very much we also publish a uh, video version of the podcast so make sure you go and subscribe to our youtube channel you can find that at tesla owners online so that you can watch it if you'd like to uh, to see that but otherwise if you want to listen you're welcome to uh, listen along there'll be times in this podcast when we bring up articles or we talk about pictures or something like that so if you want to see what we're talking about watch the video version of the podcast so having said that we've got some tesla news to talk about uh, a lot of Model Y stuff actually came out recently. Um, if you haven't been paying attention, Tesla has dropped the price of the Model Y by $3,000. So courtesy of our friends at Tesla Roddy, uh, reporting that the uh, long range Model Y is now listed at a U.S. price of $49,900, which is a $3,000 savings. It used to list at $52,900. And um, the Model Y performance has a price reduction of only $1,000 now. So it's down to $60,990. Uh, sorry, it's down to fifty nine nine ninety, uh, down from sixty nine ninety. Um, you know, it's good that Tesla is doing these uh, price reductions. Everybody enjoys a price reduction. Um, I should mention that if you have not taken delivery of a Model Y, you can uh, usually be rest assured that Tesla will do you right and adjust the price for you as long as you don't change your configuration. If you go back into your configuration and you change your mind, let's say you want to add the tow hitch or change your mind about FSD and stuff, that's almost tantamount to canceling your order and starting all over again. Although Ian and I did get a... Um, a private conversation from the forum from a local fellow. I think he was talking about you know, how he canceled his Model Y, added the tow hitch, and his Delta at the end of the day, because of the price reduction of this particular car that he was ordering, was only maybe, what was he, uh, $10, right? Yeah, it was basically kif-kif. It would wound up being exactly the same. Exactly. So the one thing is that if you change your mind about FSD, so let's say you decided to get FSD when you originally placed your order of the car, and then you change your mind, um, you don't get price protection on the FSD. So you'll get the lower price of the car, but just keep that in mind um, as far as that's concerned. So, um, And the tow hitch is available. That's $1,000 US. So if you're interested in that, um, anything else is, is up for grabs. And none of the other prices have changed, just the base price of the car. So glad to see that. So just keep that in mind that, um, you know, you don't get any price protection on the FSD part. But who knows? I mean, if you change your order, you might just come out on top. So any thoughts on this, guys? I mean, price changes in Tesla? Never heard of a thing. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's just like death and taxes, right? Tesla will change the prices as mm -hmm. they get more efficient. Um, speaking of which, let me just uh, quickly look at the Tesla website. Just to, just to verify here, um, I'm on the U.S. site here. Yeah, so 49.9 for the long range uh, performance. Just double checking everything else before I put my foot in my mouth. Um <laughs> Yeah, prices of everything else has not changed. So yeah, it's just the base price of the car. So yeah, just one. What was the price change in Canada, Trev? Because right now, now we're sixty nine nine on uh, on a long way and draw wheel drive. Yeah. What was it previously? Well, let's, Seventy. Let's go to Canada, oh. and I will tell you. Well, I know it's sixty nine nine now. I think that's after the drop, right? Mm, yeah, sixty nine nine, and that was after the drop. It was around uh, seventy four, if I 70, remember correctly. Seventy four, seventy five. Yeah, yeah. somewhere Close in there. Somewhere in there. So yeah. Okay. 
good i mean you know um exchange rates not in our favor it makes these cars much more expensive than uh, than they have any right to be but are there any benefits from uh programs in canada for the price dropping to under 70 um no not yet none of the model y's qualify for our federal rebate because it's capped at fifty five thousand dollars. okay so unfortunately and Quebec, sadly, back in, uh, I want to say, I think it was in uh, end of March, early April, they dropped the threshold here from 75000 to sixty. So that wiped out everything except uh, Model 3 SR Plus. Mm. And when we get to our next topic, this is a source of much pain for Model Y. But I'll let Trev introduce that, and then I will go <laughs> okay. off on, on my rant. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. rant very often. I'm going to have a rant on this so, one. Oh, uh, the American will just sit back and watch. I'm going to get some popcorn and uh, enjoy the It's show. a mini rant. It's a mini rant. It won't be epic uh, like Eric level. I, I can't. I don't think I'm going to achieve that. All right. I'll try. All right. Do okay. we want to talk about the, the, the dovetail into the next? <laughs> Yeah, we're just here to, we're observing. That's all That's we're doing. Okay. Exactly. Speaking of which, um, someone on Twitter had asked Elon, info on the uh, standard range Model Y just been taken down from the configuration page. Is it still going to be made? Elon said, no, as range would be unacceptably low, which would be low 250-mile uh, EPA rating. So... Yeah, standard range Model Y is not happening. He did go on to say later on that they will make in a few months a long-range rear-wheel drive, or single motor as he calls it, Model Y. Um, so the um, the expected $40,000 base price on the Model Y is basically not going to happen. I would expect that the base price of that car will probably come in, I don't know, between forty-three dollars and $45,000. It's tough to predict exactly what it will be, but it won't be the magical promise $40,000. So, uh, yeah, that kind of sucks. Now, Ian... <laughs> it's your turn well yeah i i kind of dropped the hint already on this one the mm -hmm. problem now in quebec is quebec is the only place now I, british columbia might might still have something for it their their program kind of goes in and out i i can't say that i'm up to date it's, on the it's BC very different detail. from ours yeah yeah it's depending on the funding available and a few other factors yeah. so i apologize people in bc check your your latest uh offerings from from the british columbia government to see what's actually happening out there. But in Quebec, this is a big problem because as I just said, they dropped the threshold from 75,000 MSRP to 60,000, meaning that uh, there is no Model Y at all currently that will qualify for this. And the SR would have been the only one that did because if you do, you know, the US price worked up, it still would have come in under 60 just by a little bit. And that would have been fine. And I had a lot of people I know that were interested in that car, because if you took it at, I don't know, 57, 58,000, whatever it was, knock off 8K from the, uh, from the provincial government, you've got a hell of a value on your hands. And now that's gone up in smoke. So they're all going to have to eat this 8K increase straight out of pocket, which is kind of sad. And Okay, I understand Elon's point. Well, like, yeah, we wouldn't be able to hit 250 miles EPA, but I got to think with the super efficiency of this thing, the fact that it's almost on par with Model 3, they'd get 240 out of it. I mean, you know, if we do work the numbers backwards from what the, the Model 3 SR achieves versus, you know, uh, the long-range versions of the Model uh, 3 uh, versus the Model Y, there's not a huge difference. They're, you know, they're within a few miles of each other. So you're telling me you couldn't hit 240? There's tons of people up here that would love to have it uh, at 240, especially the fact it's got the heat pump. So, you know, put side-by-side -side with a Model 3 SR Plus in winter, the Model Y is going to have better range as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the heat pump makes a huge difference. It's primarily, yeah, yeah it's primarily responsible for why the Model Y has yeah. such good range compared to... Uh, a Model 3. Now, I actually went on Twitter a number of days ago, and based on 
what had happened about this, I said that, uh, you know, I, I'm going to make a prediction that uh, in due time, uh, Tesla may end up canceling the rear-wheel drive uh, Cybertruck. Now, I know it's very controversial, but uh, the only reason I said that is Tesla has a history of introducing a low-price model trying to hit a price point, and when they get into production, when they get out of production hell and their margins actually increase and they do make it, it's very, very short-lived. Um, I mean, it, literally every car that they've made has has proven this other than the Roadster. But I'm saying, you know, the Model S first came out with a 40 kilowatt hour battery pack. They made about 400 of those cars. Not a lot of consumer demands for those. So they basically sold them as 60 kilowatt hour battery packs and the software locked them and uh, discontinued the car. So Model S was originally uh, promised at $50,000 US. Well, it never, never really happened. Uh, Model X, they made a 60 kilowatt hour battery pack for that thing. Again, short lived, made a few of them canceled it model three standard range can only order it off menu but it's really tough they don't want to sell you that car model y i mean how many more cars are they going to keep doing this so i know there's an argument and ian you've made this argument and i know you want to talk about this okay about the fleet potential yeah of of the cybertruck and i i agree with you um and i think i mean it's too early to to really make like definitive predictions on this because Anyway, it's a new vehicle, and it really represents a completely different market for Tesla. Um, and there's lots of potential, I think, for a lot of people, or uh, for different markets. I think it remains to be seen exactly how much update they got on it. But Tesla, they seem to be hell-bent on making long-range cars, because that's where the interest is. And, um, and they will generally make the promised car that they said they will, but it doesn't, it doesn't last very long. They give it the axe for whatever reason. So anyways, go ahead, Ian. You want to talk about the fleet potential? I just think it's straight up simple math. You think of the, you know, hundreds of thousands of small businesses there are around North America that use some type of truck, you know, whether you're a construction, you're in construction, you're like running a small business, delivery, you name it. Anybody who could use the cyber truck to replace their their fleet of gasoline vehicles. When you talk about the base price of 39.9 and like so little cost to run the thing, Anybody in the in the accounting department is going to go. That's what you're buying, you know. And I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what color it is. The 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 cost per mile is going to be so ridiculously low for what the vehicle can do that it's going to be dictated by the finance people that that's what they want to buy. But when you go from forty thousand to fifty thousand, you know, increase the payments by twenty percent. That starts to weigh heavily back into the favor of some of the cheaper ICE vehicles that can do some of these jobs. Not in all cases. I think you know every type of business is going to have a different sort of calculation based on the capacities and the needs of the vehicle. But I got to think that 39.9 is like just a no-brainer. And 250 miles of range for a lot of you know urban vehicles or doing short runs every day, that's plenty. I mean, what what more could you need in, in a lot of small business cases? They do claim it's going to be 250 plus. How much the extra plus is remains to be seen. But um, mm-hmm. no, I, I think there's an argument to be made for making all the varieties of it. And, and who knows what's going to happen with the truck if they get enough uptake on it. But if you remember, they were originally planning on making the... Um, two-wheel drive version of the Cybertruck first and then making, you know, all-wheel drive and, and the other ones later. And apparently, due to customer demand or whatever, they flipped it. So now they're making the all-wheel drive and the tri-motor first and the uh, two-wheel drive version or the rear-wheel drive one will be sometime in 2022. So, you know, some people will say, well, that's not necessarily demand. It's maybe it's production issues or whatever the case may be. But I, I personally, I think that's just demand thing. Oh, yeah. I think they were blown away by the amount of people who want the mid-range or the high-end version of the truck because, of course, it's going to be all the take-my-money people standing there, you know, of which there's a few hundred thousand for sure. 
then it becomes a question of what happens in year two, three, four, you know, and this is the debate that we had last time where Eric brought up some good points. It's like, is this thing mainstream enough to really do big volume? We don't know that we for a fact. That, yeah. You know, we, we have very different opinions on that. And I respect his. It's really, it's going to be fascinating to see it play out. But to me, it's the, the commercial one anchors it. And that's why I'm adamant that if nothing else, that's the one that's going to well, survive. We'll, we'll certainly keep thing, all the high margin ones. Well, the thing that I sort of resort to when it comes to the commercial argument of it is the the variance of commercial vehicles we have out there, uh, whether they're, you know, trucks that are made by Ford, Mercedes-Benz, uh, you know, uh, GM, any others. Um, the ones that, that companies tend to use for a lot of work trucks uh, and work vans for electrical guys or construction workers or even the vehicles that Tesla uses now, they're, they're not EVs, right, by and large. I mean, there, there are some small well, number of, right, that will change eventually, but for Tesla to produce EVs and not already use EVs for their own mobile service vehicles, in large numbers, I should say, um, is sort of indicative of what that is. Are they going to all of a sudden use Cybertrucks for those? Maybe, um, but that's a lot of mobile service techs using Cybertrucks, uh, and that's not making money. You're not making money on using your own vehicle. It's actually sales you're not getting uh, for that purpose. So um, I, I think the the, com the the low end vehicle makes sense for certain sectors. I just don't see a swath of companies all of a sudden trading in all of their ICE vehicles, which some may be on lease contracts for a certain duration, to all of a sudden now invest all of that capital into getting a Cybertruck that, when it first comes out, is not thoroughly tested. We don't know the optimal performance of it. And as we've seen with Model Y production so far, what issues are going to rear themselves with the first batch of Cybertrucks that come off the line wherever they're being made, if it's Austin or elsewhere. So there's a lot of questions about, and even then, even if we're looking at 2022, for example, for the base model coming out, how far into 2022? Are we talking like fourth quarter 2022 i mean because i don't I, right now there's no breaking ground of a factory yeah. that they're going to build in time to really kind of and they got to obviously get the lines there's a lot of time between now and then mm -hmm. so there's a lot of questions already in terms of just getting the initial versions of the separate truck off the line so to me it's like when i made the argument about the sales it really came down to there's uh, there's a lot of individual owner demand but again a 100 deposit can always drive demand but that's not a, I don't think it's a real reflection of the actual insatiable need for that vehicle in the market. So we'll see Model 3 reservations proved out to be true reservation holders. Most of them did convert to orders. I'm not sure Cybertruck at a $100 uh, starting point will do the same thing. No. But we'll see. We'll keep an eye on that. We don't want the podcast to turn into nothing but Cybertruck discussions all the time. But let's get back <laughs> into Model Y a little bit because we've got some more stuff to talk about here. Um, our friend John at Silicon Valley uh, Tesla Owners Club uh, asked Elon on Twitter, can we get track mode for the Model Y? Is it possible? Elon replied with a very simple yes. So uh, we don't know whether the yes means is it possible or is it actually coming or a combination of both. <laughs> But um, I, I, I found it strange that the Model Y, being a performance car, didn't automatically get the benefit of, of track mode. Now, obviously, that's probably a testing thing that they want to do later on. Uh, and I do believe that it would make sense for them to release it on that vehicle because, I mean, you're buying a performance car. And I know my friend Sasha just took delivery of his, and he wants to beat the hell out of that thing on the track. So I think it'd be a lot of fun. Um, but I, I don't think I don't think there's any reason why it can't. I mean, it literally has the same brakes. It has the same setup as the Model 3, same battery pack. Um, yeah, I, I think in this case, it was just a, a matter of testing the software and, and not being ready to release it yet. It was just like the, we didn't have track mode 
on the Model so, 3 when it was first released anyways, right? We yeah, had to wait for long, that. How long did it take to come out? Oh, gosh. Ooh, almost a year. Ooh, almost. That long? Well, we just got version 2 track mode. The first track mode... Yeah, I forget. No. I would have to go back over my... <laughs> this is a great podcast, ain't it? <laughs> We're stumped. We're stumped. We don't know. It was a while. It wasn't on first release, though. It was months, yeah, but I had it the first winter. I remember, you know, donating the that's thing around. True. The winter. That's, that's true. You know, I did my drifting videos, so it was maybe, um, I mean, I got my car end of September. I mean, the performance car started delivery early July. August. July in the U.S. Okay, so call it July, so it was about five months in, I want to say. Okay. Okay. November, November of 2018 would be my Maybe uh, guess. I was thinking about version 2. Yes, yes. Well, you know, version 2 hasn't been long at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've hardly been able to play with it. Right. Well, neither have I. I use it on the track. It was hella fun. Uh, speaking of Model Y, let's uh, talk about some more changes here. Our good friends at Tesla Y reporting that Tesla increases the Model Y performance range to 291 miles if you have the Uber turbine wheels. Those are the big 22-inch wheels. Uh, originally, EPA rated at 280 miles. Now it's up again up to 291 miles. Tesla really hasn't talked about the reason for this, although Tesla's been able to eke out all kinds of range and stuff with just software tweaks and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Remains to be seen exactly why, but hey, you know, enjoy your extra 11 miles. It's always <laughs> it's always nice to have on that car. Uh, they're saying that, you know, uh, those wheels aren't light, by the way. They tip the scales at no, uh, not. 65 pounds each. Well, that's wheel and tire together. Yeah, I, I, Yeah, I worked it backwards based on the mass of the tires, and they're about 38 pounds, I think, for the rears oh. and 36 for the front, something in that range. Yeah. Not like they're sturdy. They're sturdy. <laughs> Say so. Yeah, for sure. So, no, it's always good. It's nice to see um, um, uh, software updates coming and, and potentially increasing. Oh, speaking of software updates, Ian, did you get the? I just got literally a software update just before dinner tonight. Did you get the About same one? You did, yeah. And I haven't looked at it. It looks like a, because of the digits, um, it, it's mostly bug fixes. I haven't seen anything in the release notes as far as new features. Although yeah. there is some information floating around. I think I saw it on the forum that apparently there there's a software. I know I don't know if this was this one or um, another software update, but uh, Tesla's tweaking the range or uh, the, sorry the efficiency of the car again. Uh, it looks like they may be turning off the passenger side HVAC system if it doesn't detect a passenger in there in order to save energy. Ooh. Yeah, so they're always playing around with stuff. So Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but I, again, I haven't verified that personally yet. So Can I ask you a very quick wheel question? Sure. What's your favorite factory wheel? Wow. Oh my I don't God. know if we've ever had that conversation on the show. <laughs> That's not one that I could easily answer. Um, there's a few of them over the years that to me are iconics. The uh, the Fuchs wheel, uh, the classic 911 wheel. You know that those five little triangular, yeah. you know, uh, shapes. Uh, I absolutely adore. Um, what else? In OEM wheels. <laughs> do, you, do you like the uh, the 22 inch? Um, was it the Onyx wheel on the Model X? It's not bad. I mean, I don't even know if it would make my 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 top fifty list. Okay. But you're talking to a guy that's like mentally registered thousands of wheel designs over the years. So, <laughs> you know, it's like asking some of these chefs. It's like, well, what's your? Favorite? They would probably. Have I've always easier. been partial to the turbines myself. Mm-hmm. It's I like, a pretty wheel. I like I yeah. like those. Although I'm yeah. I, I'm really digging the ZRGs that I have now. But 
whatever. Yes, they look spectacular. I think that's the best looking wheel that Tesla's ever produced. Like in terms of how it makes the how it transforms the car and just gives it so much attitude. I think that's the number one that they've built so far. S still relatively rare as far as I'm concerned right now. So <laughs> give me a week, Eric. I'll come back to you next week. And I'll tell hey, you, you know it. what? We got plenty of time. Next week's a big show anyway with the uh, the, the quarterly call coming out. So. Yeah, exactly. Oh, speaking of which, uh, yeah, we'd like to do that because um, the quarterly calls on the it's twenty second. Yeah, the Wednesday, right? Do I have that in front of me? We're literally, yeah. my wife and I are going on vacation starting on the Friday. So next week will be the last show until probably the second week of August when we get back. So just keep that in mind. Or first week of oh, August when we get back. Excuse me. Yeah. Well, you, know, you know you're staying in Canada. You're not coming here. No, no, exactly. Unfortunately, well, we were going to go out to the East Coast. Uh, we have family that lives out in Nova Scotia, but they're not letting anybody in over there either. So uh, it's going to be a staycation this year. So nice. Yeah. All right, let's uh, get back here. We got our friends at Tesserati with uh, some more information here talking about Model S and X. Specs reveal 250 kilowatt supercharging rate, suggesting 1,000 mile per hour charging. Um, Elon hopped onto Twitter and said uh, they said that they the they had to increase the wire thickness in the S and the X to reduce um, resistive heating through the supercharging mechanism. It technically won't be quite a thousand miles per hour, but especially the Model X because it's a bigger car. So unfortunately, he didn't really elaborate on which production cutoff it mm -hmm. was where this mm -hmm. wire thickness happened. Like, it, was it the Raven cars or? Like we, I think that's got to be intentional because he doesn't want people to game the system and know it's like, well, if you ordered before this date, you're going to get uh, a, you know. I wish they were a little more transparent about that. Uh, we know the think... Raven cars were technically supported up to two, uh, 200 kilowatt of charging. Right. So this is an extra 50. So, you know, if they change the thickness, uh, I don't know if it's Ravens or not. I'd be, be curious to really find out. Um, maybe I'll have to call one of my service tech guys and maybe he knows. If I, I find mean, out, they, I'll report. <laughs> in the case in spring of last year, that's a lot of vehicles in the road. They're going to be quite all right. But I mean, the one the one thing I've seen in 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 minor numbers is when there are changes like that that come out, and the forum you know conversations begin about you know what vehicles are affected, which ones are not. There's always those fears like, oh, I took delivery of my car. You know, the weeks leading up to that, if I had known, I would have waited. Well, it's like it's like an iPhone or any other new technology that comes out. Like it's gonna be you know every so many months, there's some new advancement. So ideally. You know, you want to lease a car, then yeah, you can turn the car in your leases up and get a new one, and then all of a sudden you got the newest technology. But um, you know, it's there's not a lot of Tesla owners that are like that. There are a few of them that certainly do their own complaints. Um, but that's the state of things with technology. I mean, Tesla is a tech company more than it's a car company, and so you're going to find those changes happen all the time. They're yep. just not largely announced for good reason. Yeah, I think it's important to remember too that um, 250 kilowatt charging is very fleeting. You have to be yeah. at a very low state of charge. Your battery has to be warm. I mean, the moon has to be in the right position. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's very fleeting. It tapers off very quickly. Once you hit yeah. about you know, 30, 35%, it, it drops back off very quickly. So, I mean, it's nice to have if you're going a long road trip and you're doing very quick hopscotches and getting into a low SOC, like much like Ian and I attempted to do when we yeah. were going across Canada in the wintertime. But uh, yeah, if you're going to plug in a car and you're sitting at 50% and you're expecting to see 250, it's just not going to happen, folks. So... Maybe in no, the I future, it's hardly any difference at all. Well, I mean, yeah. listen, when we get cars with bigger battery packs, that's a different mm -hmm. animal. But right now, uh, the way it stands right now with, uh, you know, 75 to 100 kilowatt hour battery packs. Yeah, it's very fleeting. But um, I mean, oh, it's nice to see that they're am I charging that thing. <laughs> 
Um, the article does go on to say that uh, Tesla increased the supercharging rate of the S and the X from 200 to 225 kilowatt um, as part of the 2020.24.6 uh, software update. But uh, this is not a, a software update uh, unleashing at this point, technically anyway. So again, we don't have any... Um, any clarification as to where the cutoff was um, as far as this is concerned. So listen, if any of you have um, a one of the newer Model S's or the X's and plug into a V3 and get in with low SOC and you get 250, let us know. I'd be curious to find out um, how well it works for you. Uh, let's see here. Some more Elon Musk news very quickly. Um, someone on Twitter, Backroads Tesla, asked Elon uh, if it was possible to have a, a weather radar overlay on the nav screen to help direct uh, pre uh, predict storms and wind. Uh, it would make a killer connectivity feature, and Elon says, I think so. So that's not an admission that they're going to do it, right. but at least it's under consideration. I think that's really good. I think um, the wind and temperature are two things that Tesla does not take into calculation. Um, there is a website out there, and I forget what it is. Son of a gun. It's not a better route player. There was another one. But it does take uh, temperature and wind into consideration. Matter of fact, it even shows you wind overlay as to which direction things are going um, to help you with uh, predicting that stuff. So if they were to do that, I think that would really help. Um, that, that'd be incredible. Just first of all, there's the whole weather nerd aspect of it, right? <laughs> Plus you feel like, you know, you're piloting a 747 because you got, you got the radar, weather, uh, the weather radar going there and you can, you know, brief your passengers in the back. There's, there's the whole fun aspect of it. But yeah, if the thing could actually use the data coming into the screen, not just to populate what you're seeing, but actually use that in the nav, that would be incredible. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of stuff we've been asking for. I mean, son of a gun, we still don't have waypoints. I mean, that's one of the most useful things. Yes. And our friend Raphael has been asking for like forever, trying to make it happen. And I don't know what it is with Elon. Maybe he just doesn't understand, you know, the reason why we want it. Um, there are reasons. If you don't know, well, <laughs> you haven't done enough road trips. <laughs> Raphael yeah. would know. He's done lots of road trips in his car. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think part of it could be because of how easy it is. And once if you're going to make, let's say, three stops in a trip, it's not hard. Once you get to your first one, the car automatically essentially clears the screen of wherever you're trying to go. And now whenever you're there and, the, you know, however long you're there for, you can always enter the new address. Like I get the convenience of it. But I mean, unless you're like a cab driver where you're going, you know, every so many stops in a short period of time, um, you know, it's, it's, it's it would make sense. That's not high on our list of trying to figure out that. With the with the coding team, you know what I mean. Well, they've been. Um, I mean, they've been known to add all kind of features to the cars and stuff. Sure. I mean, gosh, I mean, they keep adding games to the car. I mean, where where do your priorities lie? I don't well, know. Well, <laughs> you know, the thing, the thing, and, and I don't want to get on too much of a high horse here, but I know, like for example, when Joe Mode came out, there were some people that go, "Can it be even quieter though? Because my my kids are really quiet in the back." And so it's it's like every time there's a new thing, people go, "Hey, that's great, but I want to know about this." And and ideally, it's like well, the you can't please everybody out, all the time. Everybody oh, has right. a different set of priorities, right? So that's part of it is you can't appease the masses. Um, and number two is it's good that people submit ideas for things that maybe either Tesla hasn't seen a demand for, or maybe they haven't thought of. Um, but by and large, oftentimes I'm seeing requests being made on Elon's newsfeed. It's this one owner has this one thing like i need this for me like this weather thing like it'd be great if they do it but if they didn't okay there's how many weather apps for mobile devices nowadays like you have access to getting weather on your phone if you need to worry about is it going to rain or not where you're at well i know um, the other popular one is everybody you know a lot of people i say everybody i got to correct myself a lot of people yeah. want some kind of 
CarPlay or Android Auto type right. of thing to be being able to project your thing on the phone. And and I get where that's coming from, although I, I don't miss it. I don't have it. I don't miss it. My wife has yeah. it in her car only because it's not a Tesla and you kind of need something. Mm-hmm. And it's better than any OEM's navigation system could ever be in there short of what Tesla's yeah. is, right? Um, and I'm glad she has it because she gets lost really easily, so she needs it. <laughs> Um, but I'm perfectly happy with uh, with what the feature set that I have in my car. I, if personally, I you know, and this is personally because everybody has an opinion here. I think the area that Tesla really needs to focus on is is the media entertainment system. There's a lot of bugs in there, and there's a lot of weirdness still going on with that thing. And I don't know if it's because they're using a lot of streaming services from other people, and they have to tie into that type of thing. But there's a lot of stuff in there that really still needs to be better. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Mine's developed a strange bug, and I, I'm so lazy at this point, I just don't have the time to go search it, but <laughs> when I'm listening to the USB, uh, I keep getting pausing in the music. It's like about every, can be every 10 seconds, can be every minute or so, but every so often the music, la 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 la, la 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 la, and it just keeps going. It's like, mm. only on the USB. I'm just wondering, yeah. maybe my maybe is the key you're, itself Yeah, corrupted. I think you're using a key. I have zero problems. I'm using a solid state drive in my car. Yeah. I have I literally it's, it's, zero problems actually i should correct that the only problem i'm having lately is it's dash cam for some reason dash cam is not running 100 percent of the time well, all the time sentry mode's great did you see t- um kim pocket's tesla uh mm-hmm. feed like her her little tweet there where she was having all kinds of super crazy problems like uh the fsd wouldn't work and the wipers were coming on and all sorts of crazy mm-hmm. things were happening and it turned out it, i don't know if she used a usb or she has some sort of a hard drive plugged in but that was corrupted and that somehow backfed through mm. you know, sentry mode, and it was causing anything to use the front forward-facing camera to go haywire. Oh, I'll like, have to double-check wow. that. Yeah, that was a fascinating one. So if anybody's mm. having these strange symptoms where your car, uh, where you can't get autopilot to work, where your wiper's going haywire, whatever check else, your... check your whatever device you're using to record for sentry mode. Unplug that and see what happens. Mm, yeah. Good point. I I'll have to say, I mean, when I had my Model X, I had a large USB key plugged in, and I had my media on there. And... Because the MCU on that car was an MCU one, uh, it was so slow that it, uh, it it ended up crashing the car a lot. So I ended up removing it. So Model Three is much much more powerful. So I have literally zero problems. But again, I don't have these issues typically because I'm I'm using a solid state drive, which is actually designed for long term constant writes all the time. USB keys. I've seen way too many failures all over Twitter, Facebook, uh, on the forum. People are reporting all kinds of problems. And literally, when you go to a solid state drive, most of the problems. Pfft, go out the window so that's my recommendation anyway so all right let's go on and we got a little bit more stuff to talk about um battery day is coming uh it's going to be held on september 15th at this point provided all things go well um same day as the investor or uh, the shareholders meeting which is going to be held in fremont uh we talked about this on the last show but there's um, a little something extra in our, our friend lars from uh, tesla Paratoros chimed in um on a twitter thread that was going on he asked elon are you sticking to modules or going straight from cell to pack now elon had mentioned this in the past on the third row podcast just as an off the cuff kind of comment that he said it didn't make sense for us to use modules anymore we're thinking about going from cells to pack anyway so elon just responded with two eyeballs so hmm. interpret that as you will i take that as an interpretation as watch so, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on at Battery Day, I think, that uh, that we don't really know about. Now, it's been hyped so much. I hope we don't get let down. <laughs> 
but I think there's going to be a lot of stuff on there. I mean, the fact that he wants to do it in person shows that the, they, they got some show and tell, obviously. We, we've talked about this on the show before. There's a lot of show and tell going on with this. Obviously, the pilot production line that they set up, this Roadrunner thing at the uh, at the Cater Road facility. Potentially even a uh, Model S uh, plaid drivetrain. I did tweet that out. Um, the uh, account there, and I don't have it in front of me here. Let's see if I can pull it up here real quick. I don't have it. Anyways, very strange, leaked, not a leaked picture, but a, this really interesting uh, picture of a what looks to be a dual motor drivetrain um, that is conveniently about the same size as the rear drivetrain on a Model S. Uh, we know that the Plaid Model S drivetrain is going to be a dual motor set up on the back. This picture, and unfortunately I don't have it here in front of me, has all the earmarks of it being the Plaid drivetrain. And uh, he basically tweeted this picture and never said anything else, no comments about it. I retweeted it and I said, could this potentially be the uh, Plaid drivetrain? So we're getting close. I mean, Elon did say that they were going to go into production later this year with the car. So, you know, what better opportunity to pull the veil off and maybe show this Plaid powertrain Model S finally? What do you guys think? Good timing? Maybe not? They've gone to Plaid. They've gone to Plaid. <laughs> Spaceballs, by the way, if you don't know what that reference is. Mm -hmm. could Elon's be. a big fan. Could be. Could be. I mean, you know, there's so many possibilities of what they could uh, what they could be on. But but yeah, to your point, Trev, I think there's there's something they're cooking up where they want to actually physically show it. That could be one of them. I don't know. Speaking I, go ahead. I was gonna say the other, the other thing too is is it's not just the physical packs themselves, which the tech in those things is already mind-blowing half the time when you read about it. Um, but it's also the I think the technology, because you mentioned like how many times they can tweak the, the range of a car because of software. So to me, it's really twofold. It's not just the physical pack itself. It's the, it's the technology behind it that allows it to sort of manipulate little things within the pack to draw more performance out of it. And, you know, I know that the autonomy day revealed a lot of cool stuff that we didn't know before. The battery day might be as like mind exploding uh, an experience all the same. But to me, it's not just well, here's here's some new advancements in technology we're doing. Whether it's we're using a different chemical compound, we're we're using a different fabrication process. We're you know we're sort of linking them together in a different way to draw more energy out of it. You know, with with less space. I mean, there's all kinds of things they can do. Um, but ideally, I'm looking for not just the physical batteries, but then again, what technology is tying into that that allows it to manipulate and tweak the packs the way that they do. Well, if you want, we can have a little discussion about this because I have a feeling it's 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 a lot of stuff. It, it, it really it's literally from the cells all the way up the chain. Mm -hmm. um, we know through white papers that uh, uh, Jeff Don, who's been under contract at Tesla, has developed basically what I call the holy grail of electrolytes, which basically all but eliminates the SEI layer buildup, which leads to battery degradation. So that's the first thing. We know Tesla is going vertical as far as manufacturing their own cells independent of uh, Panasonic. We mm -hmm. don't know what form factor that cell is going to take. Now, we know it's going to be a cylindrical cell, but that's because that's just the way they operate. But is it going to be a 2170? Could it be a larger cell? Potentially. Um, uh, we don't know yet. Um, 
It is uh, sourcing materials much more closely, um, practically going to mining companies and signing contracts. So there's there's that whole aspect. Then there's the aspect of eliminating modules and the serviceability of the battery pack. Now, if you look at the history of Tesla, when they originally developed, and I'm going to, and I'm sorry, and I don't mean to ignore the Roadster people because this is, I mean, I'm talking about since the Model S, like when Tesla f- basically built the whole stack themselves. Okay, so I'm talking about modern Tesla here. Um, when they originally designed the Model S, they designed the battery pack to be cells put into modules, and these modules were supposed to be users, well, not user serviceable, but if a module went bad, because remember, these were early days, Tesla didn't know what was going to happen um, over time to these cars, so they actually designed it in such a way that the modules would be serviceable. Bad one, open up the battery pack, take it out, but as it turns out, uh, the battery packs just never ended up being serviceable. Uh, mainly because of the way they seal them, how it was actually constructed, and the fact that uh, it was so much easier for them to just swap out a bad battery pack rather than to deal with the modules altogether. Right. Um, don't forget, they had a time when they built the battery swapping situation because they didn't know at the time whether supercharging was going to be the future or the battery swapping thing. And they, they actually built a battery swapping station, and they had no takers. So they dropped the whole idea. Now, when they developed the Model 3, they still did modules. Now, they did four instead of 16, up to 16, because not every battery pack is the same on the Model S and the X. Um, But again, modules, sells into modules. Now, Elon basically goes onto the podcast and says, you know what? We're thinking it doesn't make sense for us to do modules anymore. Why don't we just make a non-user serviceable battery pack, which is the way that we build them now. Well, not build them now anyways, but is how we behave or how we uh, um, treat them right now so we just build a pan we put the cells in we wire it up we don't even put a cover on it at this point because the body of the car ends up being the cover because it's not going to use a serviceable why would you waste time make a uh, another cover that's just more complication because remember they're always looking at efficiencies how do we build these things more efficiently so if you eliminate the cover and just use the body of the car when it gets put into the car done so i think I think battery day is 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 going to be multifaceted, multi-layered uh, on many different levels. So uh, hold on to your hats, folks. <laughs> I think it's going to be quite interesting. It's just me, man, Trevor. You got me all turned on. Yeah, I don't know. Battery. I mean, the tech in the cars is really cool, but batteries is really where Tesla's. I mean, their primary tech is really uh, at. I mean, they develop their battery cell technology, their cooling, their BMS system. It is really their secret sauce. And um, they've parlayed that, of course, into energy storage and all the other things. But that's really where their core abilities really lie. And the fact that they're going vertical now is almost akin. And I watched an excellent video today about this whole talk about, I mean, I don't mean to digress here and take a... A rat hole, but um, you know the reason Apple is doing their own silicon these days. It's not because they want to beat everybody else in terms of performance. It's just the best choice for them to be able to get the technology and the features and the things that they want to sell to their customers better than anybody else. And I think Tesla is doing exactly the same thing. They did it with, um, you know, with the uh, autopilot computer, right? They used to buy the Drive PX2 or the right. chipset, anyways, from Nvidia. Now they're building their whole stack. Uh, and the batteries, the other tech that they're doing, I mean, we, we know that they've largely done it for body and they've done lots of innovations on the Model Y um, based on, you know, some stuff that they did on the Model 3 didn't make sense. So they're always learning. But the vertical part of it is really fascinating to me. I, you know, the battery thing is the next level. And I think it's been leading up to this for a long, long time. It's just now they're getting ready to, to have the resources and the plans for this. Speaking of which, I should mention um, pictures, Gigafactory. Um, Elon posted a picture of the Gigafactory um, in Berlin. 
Ha! Look at this beautiful picture. Sorry, you guys can't see it here. But if you go to our YouTube channel and check out the video, um, he shared a beautiful rendering of the uh, Shanghai, or Shanghai, oh, the, uh, Berlin. <laughs> Berlin, it's enormous. Yes, that, this, this factory is going to be larger um, eventually than the Fremont one. Anyway, some interesting parts about this picture, you know, um, showing the trucks coming in from loading bays all around the perimeter of the factory. Lots of solar panels on top. Uh, looks like some greenery on top with a nice reflection pool at the bottom and potentially, I mean, he went on Twitter and there's a lot of people talking about, um, uh, what about a pool and a rave, <laughs> a rave hall and all this other stuff. So I, anyways, I, I have a feeling when They're they do the, bent on that one, <laughs> I, I have a feeling the, uh, the gigafactory is just going to be, now's the time on sprockets when we dance, you know, it's just going to be a big party. <laughs> Get Dieter out there and oh, it yeah. starts dancing. Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah. I'm far from puking. Yeah, uh, it'll be mandatory. If you want to go in a factory, you have to wear the black turtleneck. That's that's right. Yeah, right. If you want to touch my monkey. Fine Lab has aligned protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. Fine Lab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla, we were meant for each other. A, we're old, because we're dating material mm, uh, yes. from, from like the 80s, and, and B, <laughs> I also wonder too for battery day if there are going to be any inclinations about energy storage solutions too because when you think about powerwall when you think about all these different large energy solutions they're devising that's also battery based because you're essentially taking all this energy coming in from a power source and storing it uh, in the event of power loss so um it'd be interesting to see if there's some tie-in between all of that when there's conversations of be able to then take the battery packs for your vehicle and use it to power a home uh in reverse so that'd be interesting too if there's some conversations yeah. or suggestions that that might be something they're leaning towards doing in the yeah, future. Yeah, that's called vehicle to grid capabilities. Um, I, I think I've mentioned this on Twitter or somewhere else before that 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 is definitely a possibility. I mean, we don't really have any evidence of that other than someone doing a teardown of a Model 3 um, charger and saying that it looks like it might be bidirectional, but we don't have any other evidence uh, beyond that. Now, as far as your your thing about uh, getting into energy storage. I think that's the plan long-term, but I think right now Tesla's so focused on getting this battery cell technology ready for their vehicle aspect, mm -hmm. uh, Cybertruck and any other cars, semi-trucks coming, roadsters coming. Uh, I think that's where the impetus is really lying. I think in due time that might get parlayed in there, but again, they have this long-term relationship already at the Gigafactory one with Panasonic. They're still making 2170s uh, for 3 and Y. So um, I don't see any of that changing anytime soon. I mean, look how long they've been building uh, SNX battery packs um, using the 18650 cell. That format still got legs and still working. So anyways, um, any any batteries that they change will be for future cars. Um, not to say that it or precludes them using it for anything else. It's just, again, it's for Tesla, it's always a matter of resources. They just don't have the resources to turn the whole company around immediately like that. I mean, they move very fast, but to just say, Look, we're switching Y and, and three to this new battery technology as of tomorrow. Uh, I I don't I don't see it happening quite yet. But hey, you know anything can happen. Well, if, if you're like Apple, the approach is you announce something now, and then X months later, then it's available. Yep. You don't just you know, to go. All right, well, that's in stores tomorrow. Have a good day. Like, no, it's it's going to be a time thing. <laughs> exactly. 
All right. Well, I think we can um, go on to questions now in the second half of the show. We've uh, we've had lots and lots of questions that came in over Twitter. Thank you for everybody who submitted your questions. I know that it's been a couple of weeks since we've done this. Actually, it's been about three weeks since we've done viewer listener questions, but um, we certainly got lots of them in. So first one, uh, let's see here. It's Judy Brager. She asks, and I, and I, I hope I pronounce her, her, her name correctly. Uh, she and says, Judy. Uh, yes, well, let's just go with Judy. All right, Judy asks, <laughs> uh, when ordering my Model uh, 3, I paid for FSD, uh, but I was told I have to drive to the service center install to install the upgrade. It's at least a 450-mile drive round trip, and I can't drive that far. Uh, what should I do? Well, yes, technically it's true. In, in the early days of the Model 3, uh, when they were doing FSD upgrades, you had to take it into the service center because it's liquid cooled and of course at the time they probably didn't have the procedures down to be able to do mobile uh they are doing it through mobile right now but you because of your range situation like how far are you away that may preclude them actually um being able to do it through mobile service um so you might be outside of their jurisdiction or how far they can actually travel i would actually contact tesla and see what they can do for you um i know that uh, in many cases if they have a loaner um, and, and obviously if you tell them how far you're living, how far you're coming and you go and make your appointment, I'm sure that they would try and do everything in their possible, um, um, anything possible for you to make sure that they would actually get it done for you. Like the same day type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, failing that they would give you a loaner so that, you know, for the few hours, uh, you would be around, you wouldn't have to wait in their waiting room. Um, so, but, uh, what you should do is, um, definitely call your Tesla, your, your closest Tesla service center and explain to them your situation. And, um, and let's see what they say for you. But I think Tesla's so, pretty good. So about helicopters are out is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I hope it works out for you, Judy. Thanks for submitting the question. Uh, let's see. Your next question uh, question comes from Locke, and he says, Tesla bumped the prices up for the SR Plus a while ago, and since the exchange rate is lowered, uh, this is a Canadian, uh, no, it's Australian, sorry. Uh, we've been left behind with no price changes. For reference, an SR Plus in Australia costs the equivalent of $55,600 US or $75,200 Canadian. Thank you for doing the conversion for us. How can, how can I protect, how can a prospective Tesla owner, uh, Aussie Tesla owner, ask for um you know, any kind of changes for that's concerned. Uh, I really feel for you. Um, Tesla tends to adjust the pricing uh, whenever they introduce a new feature or make a change to the cars. They don't tend to do it mid-course. Um, unfortunately, and we suffer from the same thing in the sense that we, we pay whatever the U.S. price is plus whatever the current exchange is plus a little bit for business expenses, you know, call it 1000 bucks or $2,000. Um are, are we absolutely sure that you're not counting the price in Australia inclusive of taxes? Like I know in Europe that prices are always inclusive of taxes, but here in North America, like nothing's ever inclusive of taxes. Are you doing the correction? Are you doing the calculation correctly? Is that? Well, what, what he's describing seems to be That's what's happened in it. Canada. Is like, it seems like Tesla, sometimes they lag a little bit when the exchange rate, you know, um, goes away from their favor. Like, you know, we, we got away for a while. Um, I know when my car came in, I was actually beating the exchange rate slightly because it was around 130, 131 is what they were doing to the US dollar. And it had started to creep above that. And I, I somehow still got the car at that price. And then doot, 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 they started upping it afterwards. Um, 
but on the flip side, it seems to take a long time. Like when the exchange rate works back to their favor, they kind of lag and lag and lag. Yeah, oh, that's true. Take it down. You know, right now I think we might be in that situation where it's it's not as bad as it has been. You know, for the Canadian versus the U.S., but we're still a little on the high side. This is part of the reason we have the problem with the Model Y pricing, and it's it's never going to hit the um, the discount uh, that we're or the, the low MSRP that we need for the for the discount. I'm just wondering if that's what's going on there. It's it sounds like you know it's gone back to the Australians' favor, and they're just sitting on it. They're not moving. Well, I mean, there are also precedent in that Tesla would adjust prices for local uh, manufacturing. Like in China, um, you know, the Model 3 has been adjusted for prices for the Chinese market because it's made locally rather than having been shipped over and stuff. So um, I would hope that this would also fare quite well for Europe once they set up a European factory. Uh, mm -hmm. It would help with a lot of, I mean, because they pay a lot of high import taxes and, and, you know, duties and that type of thing. So that, that adds up. Australia, I would hope that maybe the cars, I mean, they would have to set up some factory. Now, they've said that the factory in Shanghai is only for the uh, China market. So there's no chance of those cars getting down to Australia, unfortunately. So I think, um, unfortunately, we're, we're kind of stuck with uh, having getting cars out of Fremont and having to deal with the U.S. exchange rate for the foreseeable future. So... I wish it was better. I wish it was. I wish Tesla yeah. did what what a lot of other car manufacturers do, is I'm going to say play the money markets in, in, in a lot of ways where they can buy foreign dollars, whatever, and kind of hedge against uh, fluctuations. Like Volkswagen, for example, you can go to the Volkswagen website and price out the same car U.S. and Canada, and the Delta is no more than about two thousand bucks, even though the exchange rate would typically make it much much higher. And that's just because they just play in all these different markets. In some cases, they spread losses. Oh, I got some popcorn. Look at that. <laughs> Thank you, dear. Um, in other cases, a lot of other manufacturers uh, will actually spread losses on other cars against higher profitable cars. Yeah. So, But unfortunately, Tesla doesn't have uh, a large enough stable of cars to be able to do that at this particular time. I mean, SNX sales are way down. Mm -hmm. so. All right, let's move on. Next question comes from Sudir. And he asked, unfortunately, my text is too small. Uh, could you please try to interview Jerome Goulet or Drew Bagliano? Would love to hear their thoughts. Oh, you have no idea how much I would love to have some of these people on our podcast. Unfortunately. Could you, could you just for fun say Jerome's last name again? Goulet. Okay. What did I say? Did I say it wrong? It, it's, it sounded weird at first. No, I was he's, like, he's French. Goulet. Okay. So, okay. Jerome, if you don't know. Uh, Jerome is uh, in charge of vehicle production at Tesla. He came originally from uh, Mercedes Daimler. Um, he was originally in charge of doing the uh, semi-truck program, but now he's taken over all production at Tesla. He's a real smart guy. Um, I would love to have him on the show. I'd love to have Elon on the show. I'd love to have Franz on the show. Mm. Um, however, you know, you can't just call up Jerome and say, do you want to be on the show? It doesn't happen like that. Uh, Tesla does not allow just anybody to come on any show and talk. Um, I think it would be a way easier to get Elon than anybody else to come on to the show. Let me put it that way. So, um, yeah, I would love to have conversations with these people, but, uh, yeah, don't hang your hat on that. I really don't think that's going to happen. Much to much, my chagrin. Um, if it ever happens, I'll let you know. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's uh, going to happen anytime. Probably my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next, uh, next question comes from Jerry. Do you see any sign of Tesla investing in their service infrastructure to support all the cars they continue to sell? The answer is yes. Yes. They have been making um, some headway. Um, however, I know for a lot of people, it's not fast enough. Um, now, Elon has um, gone on the record many times saying that uh, they were so focused on Model 3 production hell 
um, in trying to scale up production that all their resources were focused on that and not on the service aspect. And that hurt Model 3 in a lot of different ways because people, well, early adopters who bought Model S and X were used to a certain way of Tesla support. And that obviously didn't happen with Model 3. And we're still seeing the repercussions of that. Um, I think there's, they've made a lot of headway in service. Um, my, 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 ex, um, my experience with Tesla service has always been excellent. Now, I'm fortunate. I live in an area where we have four service centers within an hour of where I live. Um, I understand that not everybody has that ability or that privilege. Um, so uh, there's a lot of areas that Tesla really needs to, to ramp up their service. Now, Tesla also has been putting a lot of focus on the mobile aspect because the cars are really designed in a lot of ways to be serviced from the top down rather than put on a lift. So I don't know. Eric, you, you wanted to say something? Yeah. So uh, Tesserati, as we were speaking, I just did a search here. Uh, Tesserati just posted a story uh, earlier today where um, you just mentioned his name, uh, Jerome Guillen, uh, indicated that the, the Tesla is looking for spaces in several U.S. cities, along with some locations uh, in Puerto Rico that are immediately available uh, that they can actually uh, convert into service centers. Um, some of those areas include uh, Los Gatos, Campbell, California, South Atlanta, Glendale, the Phoenix area in Arizona, Naples, Florida, and Puerto Rico. So there are some locations they are looking to expand uh, for some more service centers and areas that probably could benefit from having a service center there. So those are obviously large cities, but you know, so much so that they don't have a number of service centers currently there. Uh, but that's something that as of today, they are looking to expand on. Mm -hmm. Tying into Montreal, Montreal's going to get a second one, finally. Yes, you guys really do need one. Oh boy, yeah. Because yeah, your location was one of the early ones and it's too small. You know, there there is some, at least there's merit, I think, to to really the focus being on deliveries and production first, because if Tesla's going to at some point become profitable, you have to get cars on the road. You have to convert reservations into actual cars mm -hmm. and actual sales. So it, it's understandable that the sacrifice being made at the time was we're not going to invest in service centers as rapidly. The investment was if you had to pick if there were three things presented in the board meeting and you're being presented with expanding service centers, expanding the supercharging network, and getting cars on the road. The, the last two make the most sense. If you're gonna put more cars on the road, you gotta make sure that you can charge all of them, and then service will hopefully come later, because your hope is that the cars don't have issues for some <laughs> length of time that you can kind of get by with it. Now, obviously, that's not always the case, mm -hmm. but at least now, but now they understand, we, we know what the next thing we have to do is we have to expand the service center network. And uh, mobile, mobile technicians help in, in sort of mitigating the need for that, but there are some repairs that do require a service center being open, and it's inconvenient if you're, like the, like Judy was earlier, where you're 400 and someone miles away around trip from getting a car serviced. Yeah. yeah, I will say I've seen a tremendous amount of improvement in Tesla service over the last couple of years. So, I mean, it is something that they're, I mean, the problem is, is everybody <laughs> wants everything done like yesterday, right? I have a problem. Why isn't it be taken care of today? I, I get that. Uh, nobody likes to bring the car in for service. I mean, let me tell you about the stories I had with my Ford. But <laughs> I, I've definitely seen an improvement in the, in the service aspect. I mean, matter of fact, I have a service technician coming uh, next week on my car, not to fix anything major. I've got, I've got that trunk trim, uh, the plastic one on, on, on my car. It's not holding up anymore, so they're going to replace it for me. But that's something they can do right there in my driveway. I don't have to bring the car in. I don't have to get a loaner. It's not a major deal. Speaking of which, um, we have another question. It comes in from Aaron. He says, 
why are so many owners treated so badly regarding Tesla service? What are your thoughts for how Tesla can improve this huge part of their business? Now, I saw Ian's face on YouTube. <laughs> ba badly? Yeah. I think that's being general a little bit. My service has always been excellent. The people have been really good. Maybe it's just, um, I don't know. I don't know how to read that. I will. I will tell you. I think you know. We our friend uh, Michael uh, Tesla Tunity on Twitter, by the way. Ding. Um, if if you think back to some of his early issues with his VIN, uh, there were some issues where Tesla servers had to come out multiple times to fix the same problem. Um, so I can understand there are some people who say I've made a service request and the time that I'm waiting. Is, is extensive. I'm waiting three, four weeks for a service repair when what I need is for them to fix it relatively sooner than that. Um, I understand that sometimes these are issues where maybe they're recurring. So this, they come out, they fix something, you know, four days go by up, oh, well, that, that's happening again, a software glitch, a, a door panel issue, things like that. So, you know, I, I understand like Florida, for example, has a lemon law. So there are certainly some things that, you know, if they're repeatedly trying to fix the same thing, you know, there's some protections there. But I, I think I, I want to interpret Aaron's question. It's more like the experience is bad, uh. not that Tesla service technicians are being bad to the customers or that they're being sort of standoffish or defensive. I, I think it's more of just I'm having all of these issues. Why can't it be better? Why can't the experience be better? I'm, I'm Aaron, if you're listening to the show, let us know on Twitter if we're right. That's the conjecture I'm getting from yeah. this. Rather, rather than your yeah. personal experience has been that somebody was rude yeah. to you at a service center. Yeah, mm -hmm. some clarification on that would be great. I mean, yeah. if you could clarify maybe for the next show, maybe we could address it a little better. Uh, but thank you for submitting it. Um, but my, like I said, my experience with Tesla service has always been excellent. They always treat you very well. Yeah. Um, they try to minimize the amount of time that you're into service. Um, I don't know. It could be a locality thing, but my experience has always been excellent. So. And, there, and I would say, I, I recently, when I had to get my Zero G wheels uh, at a service center in West Palm Beach uh, not long ago, you know, the appointment was set out some time in advance, but that's in due part because they're trying to get the materials for the yeah. Zero G uh, referral package. So that's understandable. That's delays and deliveries and that sort of thing. Um, but to, for them to handle the service center, which is you get there, you scan a QR code, you sign in that you're present, whether you had an appointment or if you're just there, uh, at the moment. And then, you know, you get in the queue, someone contacts you. So there's even with what they're having to deal with now, you know, on top of their busy schedules, but in dealing with the pandemic on top of that and mm. how well they're handling that. Again, your mileage may vary from service center to That's service true. center. Uh, so we do want to be clear on that. But for the most part, they're all being challenged with something very difficult in a no contact environment which can make yeah, what you need to do things, yeah. more, it can be. But I think, it's, but like I said, they're texting, they're calling, they're trying to make sure they have every understanding of what the customer's needs are as best they can. So if, if you're out there, you listen to the show, you're having some experiences, feel free to share them with us. Maybe for the next couple of shows, we'll try to aggregate a certain number of them and see what we can uh, answer to them. Yep. But uh, like I said, I think the majority of owners have had largely positive experiences, but we know obviously not everyone has that same positivity. Okay. Moving on, next question comes from Curtis. Uh, oh, it looks like he's targeting me here on this one. Trevor, since the Model Y and your former Model X lag, uh, lack a cargo cover, were you concerned about security and did you have any workaround? Um, Curtis, thank you for the question. Um, I never had issues. Um, the Model X, and from what I've seen in the Model Y, uh, the rear window, the liftgate window, and the two pass, uh, the two uh, windows 
just adjacent to that. So not the driver's side and the passenger side, but the second row windows are so deeply, darkly tinted um, that short of having like a, one of these monster flashlights, you, you would not be able to, to look in the back of the car. Um, I understand for a lot of people, they need a cargo cover. I'm sure there's going to be aftermarket things for that stuff. I never really worried about it. Then again, I never stored anything really valuable in the car. Um, if that was something of concern, then I would probably put it in the front trunk, even though that's not completely secure anyways. But for me, it was never really an issue. And on the Model Y, I would encourage you, if, you've, if you're considering a Model Y, go look at one. If you can find one, you'll see what I mean. It's it's so dark. And that's deliberate. Um, Model 3 doesn't have that because you don't, I mean, it's all sealed, right? So they don't tint the windows quite as dark. But I think that's one of the reasons why they've tinted those cars so so dark is because of the fact that uh, you're dealing with a lift back uh, where you could put uh, valuables and stuff. So I think that's deliberate on Tesla's part. Now, what if in, let's say you have uh, materials in your vehicle that don't fit in the trunk well, don't fit in the frunk, um, you know, maybe it's uh, large tools or, you know, things like that. I mean, I know that depending upon the market you're in, if you live, for example, in San Francisco, uh, you know, trying to uh, always yeah. take those things out of your car, haul them up into your home, take them back, like, you know, for some people based on your profession, maybe that's just not an ideal situation. Um, you know, there, there may be certain covers, as Trevor mentioned, aftermarket things you can get that aren't so much what we consider what's called a parcel cover um, or a parcel lift uh, that the Model S has. Uh, you can find something that may just be a sheath or something you cover over just that blanket. through peering into, you really can't see what it might be that hopefully is a deterrent. But I know through experience with friends of mine who live in the Bay Area that they'll break into car to see if there's something in there, even if they can't see anything at all. So I can understand that it's a concern for some. So it's a deterrent for sure. But it also, to me, it feels like if you put a cover there, it makes it seem like you're hiding something and it might make it more prone for some burglars to break into your car anyway. Well, again, I don't live in an area yeah. like San Francisco where car break-ins happen all the time. It's, it's I mean, yeah. you know, I'm not trying to make light of the situation. It's just for me, it's, it was never really an issue, but I'm always a believer in out of sight, out of mind. And don't leave stuff in your car if you can really handle it, um, mm -hmm. unless you really absolutely need to. So, All right, next question comes from Chantel. How has your experience been with windows and handles <laughs> and door handles in the winter? Um, would you be iced out of your vehicle? Um, I I'm out of this one. <laughs> um, anything can happen. Uh, one thing to remember, Teslas are much like a lot of other German cars where they have frameless windows, right? So there's no frame around the window. The glass has to come up and create a positive seal against the seal of the car. If, uh, uh, if that gets uh, water intrusion or frozen stuff, you could have some stuck windows. Um, even my last car, which was, or, well, not my last car, it was a Model X. The Lincoln I had, had didn't have frameless windows and the windows still froze in the winter anyway. So it's not just a Tesla thing. It's just it's one of those side effects. Again, um, if you can preheat your car in the winter, at least half an hour before you go anywhere, um, that really helps to, um, uh, to, to help defrost that stuff. Ian, you have a suggestion. I, I, I know you want to chime in on this one as well. I've actually never had uh, a serious problem with it. Certainly after those very early update in the winter of 2018, when I first, uh, 2018, 2019, when I first had the car, where, you know, they boosted the power on, uh, on the window drop you know, to make it more aggressive when you, when you open the window and that 
the, the few times that it jams on mine, that fixed it. I've never, ever, ever had a problem getting into the car. Sometimes it takes a fairly stout thumb to break that surface level of ice if the car has been in freezing rain. But you can, you know, any person of average strength can just go, buck, and, you know, that's where they're preheating. It just it just comes open. But the one thing that really does help, I found, with the, uh, with the windows is using um, that type of silicone treatment mm-hmm. around the rubber seals. Um, that, that's definitely uh, recommended for anybody in any kind of inclement weather. It makes a, makes a big difference. I've used, that, I've used that yeah. as well, yeah. yeah. I love that stuff. Yeah. Uh, as far as the door handles, never really had an issue. I think once it was a little frozen, but, you know, back of the fist and bang, bang, and it just comes open. I, I should mention the Model Y apparently is a little uh, better on that front. Uh, you can actually push in on the front of the door handle, not just the back to actually break the ice. So there could be a, a, a minor improvement on the Model Y door handles. Again, still not heated yet, but <laughs> uh, definitely some stuff going on there. So hope it works out for you, Chantel, but it, it's not that big of a deal. Um, just just be prepared. Anything can happen. All right. Next question comes from Tim. Uh, wondering if anyone has any idea of the cost of the hardware three computer. Well, we know that it's included in the cost of FSD if you don't have a hardware three <laughs> computer. How much? I don't know. I mean, Tesla's not really going to disclose that. I, I More than a dollar, less than a million. It's fair range. <laughs> I don't know. I, I will Five, tell you six, the seven hundred bucks. I don't know. In in the time that I've been associated with Tesla in some capacity, probably the question I get asked more often than anything is, "How much does a new battery cost?" Yeah, that's true, right? Mm-hmm. And and you know we're only now entering the phase of Model S vehicles that the factory warranty for batteries is now lapsing because they're you know now it's eight years. Um, what what's interesting is I haven't heard that many customers that out of pocket had to pay for a battery yet. That's now, there, obviously, there's, you know, there are warranty concerns in some cases, yeah. and maybe, maybe depending upon how a person drove their car, you know, maybe the warranty is voided. But um, I have yet to have, I, I mean, honestly, if anyone out there seen numbers, I haven't seen a single figure anywhere that indicates what the cost is of replacing battery pack. Well, I've heard numbers. I've heard numbers from 20000 to $40,000. But, that was on the X pack. I think the threes are considerably cheaper. I oh, heard yes. some yeah. teens, yeah. you know. But out of hand, uh, out of pocket, haven't seen anybody pay for it. Yet. Yeah. Well, why would you? I mean, you know, the Model S has really only been out since you know 2012. 2012. Yeah, So we're we're just coming up. That's the, what I'm saying. We're only now, yeah. you know, in that point. Yeah. But I, I mean, we we may see back. Listen, it would not surprise me if a Model S battery pack from say 2012 or 2013 um, lasts 20 years. It wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if you if you've taken care of your battery pack yeah. and you know, you might see degradation, well, of course, down to a certain figure. Well, but if it's thing. still rechargeable, we have degradation data now. We have eight years worth yeah. of degradation data, and if you extrapolate that into the future, you can easily just tell somebody, ah, eh, it's fifteen to twenty years. It's really not something you're going to yeah. worry about. Um, you're not going to own the car anymore for you to really worry about it. And besides. In 15 to 20 years, let's say you really want to put a battery pack in that thing. And if Tesla makes one available, you can be guaranteed that it'll have better technology. It's going to be cheaper anyways. Yeah. So uh, it's not something I really tell people to really worry about. I mean, you're covered. Drive the car. They have the best battery tech. It's not air-cooled. It's not passively cooled. And that's the critical part about the battery for longevity. you got to make sure it's cool. Uh, I think the, the biggest problem with batteries is when you say lithium-ion, people think, oh, my cell phone. My cell phone only right. lasts a year or two uh, years, yeah. meaning your, your electric car is going to have the same thing. No, we're talking about a battery pack that has 4,400 cells in it, <laughs> right? Yeah. And the chemistry is different, and the charge cycle is completely different, right? The yeah. usage cycle is different. The so. battery pack in my cell phone is smaller than a candy bar. Yeah. 
right? You know what I mean? Like it's not, it, it's thin, it's tiny, like it, it's not, it's a whole different thing. Anyways. If there is ever a question asked, and I actually, this has happened before, when someone says, hey, Eric, uh, what is the battery cost to replace? I call it the 12 volt, whatever you get. Yeah. Like that's that's the only battery you really have to worry about replacing in the time you're owning a vehicle. That's true. And that's the, the Model Three battery pack compared to the S and X is is so solid. It's so far and away. Oh, it's 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 like a different a different league altogether. Mm -hmm. I'm not to say that the S and the X battery pack are bad. They're really great, but the three battery packs practically indestructible. So, listen, man, I supercharged mine a hundred times in five weeks. It's mint. It's yeah. absolutely perfect. <laughs> yeah. What, All right. What more do you want? <laughs> Next question says, um, can the navigation avoid highways and select the shortest, uh, shortest route? Can autopilot be set to the current speed and not accelerate to the maximum allowable speed? Well, that's two questions in there. Um, select the shortest route. <sighs> that's a hard one to answer. I will tell you a reason why they don't. <laughs> so the reason why they don't is because even if a route is shorter, let's say, for example, you're traveling locally within a city, and the distance uh, from one location to the other one that the car suggests is 8.6 miles. But the route you know is shorter is 6.1 miles. But if the route you're taking takes you an extra 15 minutes of travel, you're gonna use more energy in that trip. Mm. So ideally, they're not, they're not just, cho they're choosing the fastest route, but it's also the least energy reduction route there is because your vehicle will get greater efficiency. Now, I understand that sounds counter to what if it's stop and go? Well, either way, it's going to well, find not, the quick, the fastest route. But, remember, but ideally, if you're, you're, if you're not using the car, car and you're sitting and stop and go. Right. And if also you're running your HVAC, I mean, I yeah. mean, now, especially how hot it is in the Northern Hemisphere, like you're going to use a lot more energy the longer you're in your car. So the goal is always to get you there the fastest, which also consumes less energy for your battery. Yeah. Don't forget in the navigation settings, you can also tell it like how many minutes you want it to save before it actually does a different right. reroute. So keep that in mind as well. Um, if you're using... Um, uh, if you're using the navigation to, to get destinations where it, where it um, incorporates supercharging, um, again, it's designed to minimize the amount of time you're spent charging. Not, oh, we need to make sure you get at your destination with 90%. No, 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 no. It's designed so that whatever supercharger you hit in order to get to your destination, you end up with a, a I'll call it a 20% margin kind of minimum yeah. with the battery when you get there. Um, as far as the autopilot, let me see here. He was asking autopilot. Can autopilot be set to the current speed and not accelerate to the maximum allowable speed? So there's no setting for it. Um, you can, for example, if you want to use cruise control, uh, you can certainly have that at your current speed like any other cruise control setting. Um, what I've done is when I want to, if autopilot, I have it set to go up to five miles over the posted speed limit on the street I'm on, um, but I can easily just use the click wheel and just draw it down to the speed I want to travel mm -hmm. at. So if you say you're on a highway and the speed limit's posted at 65, your vehicle, let's say it is set to go at that limit 65, but you'd rather go 55. Okay, sure. Uh, rare case you'd want to go slower, but it's understandable. Uh, just, you know, just use your click wheel and draw it down. There's, there's a reason also, why it's... Yeah, I'm sorry. I was going to say that, don't forget, there's also a setting in, in the software where you can set a relative or an absolute. Absolute. Um, so... I use that as well. Don't forget when you're on autopilot, if you tap on this, if you're on autopilot and you want to go the current speed limit, just tap on the speed limit on your screen. I'm talking about a Model 3 here. Um, and it will set that. So if you happen to be over and you want to be exact speed limit. Hack. Imagine if you imagine if you had the two choices. Think about this. Oh, yeah. we got a tweet Elon. Here's to go back there. Eric, we're going to we're going to we're going to pester Elon with this one. I'm sorry. We have to think about it. <laughs> 
If you tap the speed limit sign, you get the speed limit. If you tap the current indication on the speedometer, it holds that speed. How brilliant would that be? That'd be a good one. It'd be easy, wouldn't it? Okay. Sure. There we go. They have enough. They have enough work to do already with getting weather maps and everything else. Everybody asked for. I want a new game. I don't want anything else. I want games. I want. Hey Elon, can I uh, can I have my car sing lullabies to my kids so they can sleep at night? That'd be fantastic. Uh, hey Elon, can I have uh, my car not actually for uh, romance mode? Have the heat on, but have like a cooling temperature because it's tepid. Because that's what our intimacy life yeah, is like. Is there talk, is there a way to do that? Let me talk to you about those TPS reports. Yeah, it would be great. Can you come in on Saturday? Yes, come in on Saturday. That'd be great. All right, Lumberg. I had I had Ian like his head all the way back on the on Lumber, the chair. Lumberg. All right, next question comes from Chantel. I'm going to assume it's the same one again. Uh, with delivery of my very first Tesla on Monday, do you recommend using an inspection app for my Model Three? What things do you look for as defect and issues, and how would you handle them? Uh, that's an mm. excellent question, Chantel. Um, we have a link on the forum, and I'll put it in the uh, uh, video in the podcast um, where we have a, a check list that you can use um, the common things to look for um, fit and finish uh, Tesla has been getting a lot better on the model 3 model Y still has a little ways to go uh, I think a lot of that has to do with the rush to get back into production as far as uh, as Q2 was concerned so um, if you're getting a, a model Y please spend extra time going over the car document any deficiencies do not expect tesla to fix them right there on the spot um, they will fix them um, you know but later on um, if it can be done through mobile service they will certainly do that if it's anything bigger than that well that's um, that's up to the call to the service center for people to uh, be able to do that at, at the time of delivery um, just the usual things. I mean, listen, um, every car has defects. doesn't matter how much you pay. There's always going to be something going on. Any, any product that's mass produced is going to have issues with it. And I don't think it's particularly fair to pick on Tesla um, to say that all Teslas are, are faulty. I know that's a common meme that happens a lot of, out there. Um, as again, I like to bring up the fact that when I had my Lincoln MKC 2015 that I bought brand new, went back to the dealer no less than 16 times, including one time for a brand new transmission. So you think a company that's been in business over 100 years would have their you-know-what together as far as quality? Uh, it's not always the case. So I don't think it's exactly fair to always blame Tesla for other things. Uh, can they do better? Yes, absolutely. Um, and I do believe they will do better. But um, yeah. So... Definitely um, get a checklist, take it with you, um, treat it with a grain of salt. I mean, like some people's concept of, of acceptable is not the same as someone else. So just keep that in mind. But um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's you'll be wise to take a little time, especially take the car outside if you can. I, most of the deliveries are happening uh, touchless now, which is outside as, you know, as long as the weather's not too crazy. Um, take the time to, to look at the car very, uh, well. And um, like I said, document anything right then and there before you take it. And, um, you know, you can count on Tesla usually to take care of you. All right. Uh, let's see here. This looks like uh, pretty much the last question of the show tonight. It comes from Aaron. Probably the same one. I don't know. At present, unless a customer get e gets Elon's attention on Twitter, uh, they're at the will of the decisions made by their local service center with no option for escalation. Now, to, truth be told, his question was a little longer. I just kind of cut it down a little bit. So I thought we'd take a little time here and just kind of talk about um, getting Elon's attention or submitting questions or issues and stuff to Tesla because 
and I and I've talked about this many times before. Uh, Tesla doesn't have an official way website, email, anything like that to give them any kind of feedback on unfortunately. And it's true in a lot of ways in order if you want something looked after um, in terms of a feature or something like that, you have to kind of get Elon's attention on Twitter. And that's, I mean, that's, that's a pretty hard thing to do when you have 30 million followers and a lot of stuff going by. However, uh, when it comes to things like escalations and stuff, there have been the odd time through the forum where we had, uh, especially the early days of the Model 3, people were having some issues in one way or another and couldn't get um, anything looked after that we had some methodologies to get things um, uh, escalated, but that's that's very rare, not very often in that case. I do believe that Tesla really should set up some kind of website or some kind of facility, something like that, to be able to take a bunch of feedback and submit it. Um, there is a section on our on our forum where you can actually put in suggestions, and um, that gets sent off to some contacts. Um, but again, it's a one way street. We don't know you know, in terms of feedback, what's going to be implemented and what's not. So I, I wish there was more. Um, there are some other places out, out on the website, um, out on the web that do crowdsource type of things. How successful they are, I, can, I can't tell you. So it's not, it's not, uh, it's not perfect. It's, it's not, um, yeah, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Any thoughts, guys? I mean, chime in on this. I mean, I, you know what? I, I tell you what. So I have, I have a lot of empathy for folks who were in that position. Yeah. And and I and I understand that you know the large consensus among owners. We've seen this on social media. We've seen it on different forums. Is that you know there's this mentality: the only way to get something accomplished is to get Elon's attention. And I'm here to tell you, that's actually not true. Uh, and I also find it very wasteful as far as your time and energy because you could be contacting your local um, stores, your local service centers. Um, even something as a cordial call and say, hey, listen, I have an issue. I've been trying to get worked on. I'm having a difficult time getting through to somebody. Is there a general manager? Is there a regional manager? Is there a service center manager? Like, who can I speak? Who can I, whose number, whose email can I get? Just to, I want to send, uh, you know, just an explanation of what it is. Sometimes even having that in writing is very helpful. Um, I don't want to disclose a lot of the resources Tesla uses internally uh, for obviously for NDA reasons. Um, but there's a lot of different resources that the company does have to their, um, you know, available to their team members to get things moved from one person to another. So even sometimes a written email to a high ranking person in a nearby facility can be enough of something to get things going. I also know, and this is something that I've learned a long time, kindness goes a long way. Mm, we understand a lot of you folks are very frustrated with various things. We know there's, I've heard a lot of Model Y owners um, in the forums really kind of nitpicking everything. And I understand there there are some issues on deliveries. Chantal is one of those who are concerned. I'm sure she's heard it herself too for her Model 3. With that being said, um, if, you're, if you're disappointed, that's understandable. To lash out at the very people trying to help you who didn't build your car, who didn't actually drive it off the truck, who just took it down, did their you know procedures for delivery, and then just said, okay, here's here's your your vehicle, here's your you know your key cards, and then you know you sign your papers, um, you know to lash at them, not the greatest thing. So try to befriend as many people as you can. If you're going to write an email or leave a voice message, try to be as considerate and respectful as possible. We're all dealing with the pandemic and everything else going on, so yeah. that alone, that aside, um, just being kind might get you more leverage 
than you otherwise thought it would be. Being angry largely will make me want to go, you know what, I'm going to defer that person until later. I'll just <laughs> deal with them at five o'clock when I'm ready to go home. Um, so I think the third thing, the, the third suggestion I would have is document as many things as you can um, with photos um, and detailing dates and times. Be as specific as you can about what you're complaining about. Um, that way, if you do get it to a service center appointment or if you do get it to somebody who can uh, look into it, they have as much information as possible without being vague. Um, a lot of folks go, well, my center console has an issue. Okay, but what is the issue? Like detail, is it making a noise when your door opens? Is it not charging the USB port? Like be as detailed as you can because that will make a determination of a mobile tech could come out as early as a few days from now or is the car have to be brought in? And that's a whole big thing because, again, service centers are backlogged with that. So there's a lot of different things to work out here. But the, the biggest thing of all of it is be detailed and be considerate. That'll get you a long way because Elon, again, with the millions of followers and folks tweeting at him probably every second of every hour of every day, uh, he's it's not going to get – you're lucky. I have never really gotten Elon's attention. I know some of my co colleagues here – have been so fortunate um, but when they do their phones also die in nine minutes because the battery <laughs> runs out because they're getting notifications like crazy so it's a give and take mm -hmm. uh if you will but um but it's understandable that there are a lot of folks just pleading and begging for someone to listen but again getting angry is not really the helpful way to do yeah it. very good thank you eric for that so yes i mm -hmm. hope that uh, um, answers your question well that's the end of the questions um i guess uh Woo! we're looking at the time here it's uh, an hour and 20 minutes so pretty much should come into the end of the show. Um, Ian, since you're up here, uh, what would you like to uh, plug and uh, how can people get a hold of you? Well, certainly on Twitter, the handle is at Ian Pavelko with the nickname Mad Hungarian. So uh, always there. DMs are open. If you have any questions or anything I can help you with, always glad to lend a hand to the community. Uh, on the Tesla Owners Online Forum, you can find me under the Mad Hungarian um, name as well. I don't spend quite as much time there as I'd like to, but uh, if you do have a question, you know, send me a direct message, open question on the forum, just ping my handle at Mad Hungarian, and uh, I will try and get that. Uh, um, I'm back to you as uh, quickly as I can. And finally, um, a little bit of a special event coming up next week. I was invited by LAVEC, l'Association des véhicules électriques de Québec. Say that three to, times uh, fast. <laughs> yeah, I know. Eh? Wrong. The, the, the voice module is not working correctly. I should reboot. But anyway, the, the nice people at LAVEC asked me to participate in an online forum uh, coming up this uh, Tuesday night. Uh, it will be in French, of course. So, pour toutes mes amis francophones, ça va être mardi soir entre 20h et 21h. Uh, je vais demander à Trevor qu'on met un lien uh, dans soit la YouTube pour uh, vous diriger ou y aller. Mais uh, mardi soir, on va parler des um, distances, des voyages de longue distance en véhicule électrique. So we're going to be talking about long distance um, travel in electric cars. The subject, of course, is just near and dear to my heart. So I hope you join me. J'espère de tout vous voir là. There you go. Yes, we do speak French. <laughs> and Eric was like, <laughs> That's why I sort of semi-translated it in a half-assed way as we went. So. That's okay. All, That's okay. All I'm saying is I'm Hispanic by genealogy, and I don't speak Spanish. That's okay. So It's all, it's all good, yeah. man. Lost on me. All right. So speaking of which, Eric, uh, where can people find you if they want to have a chat? So you can find me on Twitter. The handle is ECFix. Uh, just a quick PSA. Um, first of all, uh, get Ian's uh, apparel because um, his shirts proceeds go to benefit the very company, the very foundation he just mentioned mm -hmm. uh, that's having him as a special guest next week. So link will be in the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
so I want to say two things really quickly. Number one, uh, there's a hashtag that's been down here on my on my screen for quite a bit. Um, I encourage all of you, wherever you are, to be safe, wear your masks. Uh, even if you live in a location where they're not required, because uh, we understand that there's some localities that are not requiring them. If you're going to leave your house, you're going to be in public spaces. When you can or where you can, please wear your mask. It's not just for them, but it's also for you. And secondly, um, with everything going on, we know a lot of folks are, you know, having their lives uprooted in many significant ways. Um, we know that a lot of districts, kids are about to embark on schools starting up again, uh, many of which are going to be virtual. Um, so there's a lot going on. And I will tell you that it's okay to not be okay. Uh, so we, we all have our moments. We all feel like we're sort of losing it from time to time. The news can be very overwhelming uh, with a lot of sadness and a lot of bad things going on. But there's a lot of good in the world, too, and a lot of good things are happening. So um, if you feel like there's something going on in your life that you need to talk to somebody, reach out to someone. There's organizations. There's resources. There's um, a lot of folks willing to listen and to help and support and to care. So never feel alone. Never suffer alone. Uh, there are people in this world here to help you. So reach out if you need to. That's it. Good. Thank you, Eric. Well, that leaves me. If you want to follow me on Twitter, the handles Tesla Owners Online. Check out the forum at teslaownersonline.com. Listen, if you're listening to the podcast, thank you very much. If you really like it, go to iTunes. Give us a good review. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Let us know what's going on there. If you're listening to the podcast and you want to see the video version, go to YouTube and search for Tesla Owners Online. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, and then you'll be able to watch the podcast and all the other fun videos that I put out once in a while. And get that subscriber count up there, guys. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Well, that's it for tonight and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for watching and listening. See you guys. Bonsoir tout le monde. Goodbye, everybody.